Welcome to Beer Massive, a collection of good beer-centric conversation, interviews, editorials, reviews, and more from a collective of centrally like-minded yet individually opinionated good beer fanatics. From podcasts born in the present, or from our massive library of brewer interviews from years past, we hope you enjoy what you hear. If you do enjoy what you're here, please subscribe. Feel free to reach out to us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram on tap, at Massive Beers, or email us individually at massivebeers at gmail.com. How you doing, Internets? Um, we're here with the Beer Massive podcast, the reimagining of a previous iteration that we're now doing in podcast form. Um, we'll be doing a lot of kind of pieces, whether it be opinion pieces or kind of roundtable stuff, but our core and what we used to do was uh, brewer interviews and, and industry interviews, and uh, that's what we're doing today here at Zigmeister Brewing in Hackettstown, New Jersey, with, uh, I guess you'd say he's Team Zigmeister, helmed by Herr Matt Ziegler of uh, Zigmeister Brewing. Um, uh, Kirsten, their social media kind of marketing uh, guru. Is that the word I should use? I love the word guru. Yeah, there we <laughs> go. That? And then we have uh, Mark from Sales. What's going on? How you doing? Okay. Um, so, yeah, Matt. Ooh, hey. What's up? How's things? Oh, it's going great. Yeah. So there you go. It was a good show. Uh, we'll head back. No, yep. but okay. um, so we're here today to talk. Um, Zigmeister, I'm very familiar with. Um, I'm actually moving to Jersey as uh, as we speak, and I'll be living in Hope, which is about 20 minutes away, not even. And so I've been in and out here for a while, um, you know, random Sundays and Saturdays over the past several months. Um, and uh, this is kind of the first time we've actually had a conversation because I'm a weird kind of introvert, and I assume you're much the same, but... Uh, Anyway, uh, let's get yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah? yeah, is that, is that kind of a fair assessment? Yeah, definitely. I would say definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I would uh, actually say a, f- a weird introvert with a lot to say, though. Yeah, when when you start talking about beer, I tend to ramble on and just keep talking about it. If it's anything else, I like to hide behind the brew system and look at people from afar. <laughs> yeah. Well, fun fact: we're going to talk about beer today. So oh, we're good. Then. There you go. <laughs> it all works out in the end. So uh, let's just start. Let's do the prerequisite origin story stuff. So. You're going to school. You're doing the whole science biology thing. Mm-hmm. Beer. Uh, you decide to get in there. Your parents probably freak out. And then you say, well, we're going to do it anyway. Take us from there. Yeah, that's a pretty good assessment so far. Um, so right after college, got back into the beer. Uh, found my dad's old homebrew kit in the basement. Needed something to do. Started homebrewing. Kind of few friends up in college had done it before. And I thought, oh, I could do this. I've got the science background, as you said. Um, got into that. Fell in love with beer. Went to the brew school. And then decided, kind of put a little plan in, in together that was going to be, eventually down the road, I'll open up my own brewery. But I wanted to get into the beer industry uh, to begin with. I wanted to, you know, learn the whole process before putting my money on the line and then doing things wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah, book <laughs> learnings versus application, exactly, real world yeah. experience. <laughs> so, uh, you know, af- after school, went up uh, upstate New York, Lake George area, Had a, uh, worked at a brewery up over there for a year. Um, probably would have stayed up there a little bit longer. Um, really nice place to work. They were going through a lot of expansion, doing a lot of different things, but at the same time, my parents had just opened up a horse farm, and I was driving back and forth every weekend from Lake George to Blairstown. It's amazing how many horse farms are out here. I never knew this yeah. until I started moving down here. It's like it's oh, almost yeah. like a commodity. But yep. anyway, go ahead. Um, so it was like a four-hour trip back and you know one way back and forth every weekend, and I got that got old after a year. So I uh, started looking for breweries down in Jersey, and that's when Kane I saw had their opening for a head brewer. Um, went interviewed over there and got hired into the summer what was that 2012 um and was there for year and a half almost two years or so as their head brewer and then decided that you know i had been putting together a business plan for the brewery and said you know i think i could do this uh and went forward with that gave them kind of a one month notice and it ended up being like a two and a half where we were finding a head brewer for them <laughs> and after that started you know everything to put this place together um and uh, it's all kind of a blur from there. <laughs> now, uh, how long were you at Kane for? Uh, it was <clears throat> August 2012 through April, May 23, uh, 2014. 
Okay, so give or take about two years. Yeah. Uh, did you model your system similar to what they had, or were you going off kind of you cherry picked what you wanted to have in your system when you were opening up your brewery, or kind of uh, like did it to a T what they have down there, or what it, your previous experiences at other? It was kind of a like it was that. kind of a mix between Adirondack and Kane. Um, uh, Adirondack had a 15 barrel system. Kane had a 20 barrel system. I really liked how Adirondack you were able to, you know, it was also a pub brewery up mm-hmm. in uh, up in Lake George, and we were able to kind of put all these different recipes together. It was kind of the first area that I was really able to play around and, and do a lot of recipe formulation. So a 15 barrel batch seemed to be the great size to be able to put a new si- uh, new something out and not take too long. That's where a lot of our seasonals come in. You know, it's more of a it's an interesting flavor, uh, but still a staple that I think people are going to be drinking through, and we could put that out 15 barrels and it'd be done. Um, whereas Kane, it always seemed like if we were putting out something new, 15 barrels would go through pretty quick, and then the last five would kind of sit there for a little bit of time and kind of finish the season out. Um, so that's why I went more with the 15 barrel system. But uh, at Adirondack, a lot of their ta- a lot of their tanks was a 15 barrel uh, 15 barrel batch into a 15 barrel tank, where Kane had their 20 barrel system into 40 barrel tanks. Okay. Uh, I thought that that was you know a lot better because you could still ferment a 15 barrel batch in a 30 barrel tank if you want to, or double batch it and get 30 barrels out of it in the same space. So that's why I went with 30 barrel tanks over here, um, and I was hoping that at least by this point, maybe down the road, we would have been able to. Uh, a flagship beer would have emerged a little bit more from one of our year rounds and uh, I'd be able to get maybe a 60 barrel tank in here something like that and two days back and forth we'd be able to put that through but it seems like all of our year rounds kind of sell almost equally uh, quite well and I can't prioritize one over the other Uh, so it's uh, as everyone says good problems to have (laughs) now going back um, uh, to the kind of training portion of the show Mm -hmm. uh, so you went to Siebel Mm -hmm. which is kind of you know that's where most people go. It's either there or up into the Brewers Guild area up in Vermont, right? Yeah. Those uh, are the two big ones. Yeah, it's uh, Siebel. In the Siebel course, uh, I think, might be a little bit more money, but it's the less time for a lot of stuff that you do. They, they're they more of the you either have a background in some brewing experience um, or a science background, and then you can get in, and it's more of an accelerated course because you have the basics already down. Yeah. Uh, I think the one uh, – up New England area that's uh, a little bit longer of a course. They pair you with another brewery. You're getting more hands-on experience at the same time, um, where Siebel is more, you got the book learning, you go over to Germany if you decide to take that piece. You do a little bit of uh, training with some German PhD brewer people that you know spent four or five years just paying attention to beer foam uh, stability, <laughs> which is absolutely crazy that these people are talking about some of this well, stuff when well, I was let's over talk there. about that you actually did that you ended up going overseas too yeah. oh, and doing that portion of the show mm-hmm. um like the uh, they evenly split you on that time wise or is it, was, it, a matter- it was pretty much about that. it was it was a 12-week program seven weeks in chicago five weeks over in germany and was it was it as cut and dry like if you were to take everything in chicago mm-hmm. is it a, is there more to that course or do they compact it and then you go overseas and then it's a whole different program so it it's it's definitely a continuation of the program. They give you the uh, Chicago is the book learning side of it. You get all the basics down. Um, you know, you go through the biochemistry backgrounds of uh, yeast and malt and the whole process from on field grain all the way through malting up over here, mashing process, all the, every little nuance, every little science piece that you could think of, all the way through to kegging, and then the the science ins and outs of sanitizing your kegs and tanks and everything like that. And then they pass you over to Germany where they kind of um, take a little bit different of an education approach and um, they break down beer styles to like the littlest tiny nuance. Yeah, the nth degree, yeah. Um, every day at the end of each day, we had an hour and a half where we sat in a room um, and we were given three 500 milliliter bottles of beer and that's each struggle, one, dude. It, it was it was it was fun <laughs> um, and like those three beers were uh all technically the same like say you know german style wheat beer uh hefeweizen and but each one of them would be from a different area of germany and the teacher would say okay you know crack open the first beer pour it over into a glass and drink that one over the next 30 minutes while i explain and break down everything about how they brew this in northwest germany Mm-hmm. Um, and then he'd go through the recipe, go through the mashing profile, go through uh, fermentation profiles, why you're putting certain types of wheat into here, why you're doing this extra mash step, something like that. 
And then he's like, okay, that one's done. Now open this next one. This is from, you know, Southeast Germany, and this is how they brew that one. And it's like these little tiny flavor differences you're pulling out while tasting the beer, and it makes, um, you know, it really gets you more in-depth knowledge on a lot of the uh, ingredients that go into it and the different pieces of the process, why two-degree difference on fermentation or a one-degree difference on mashing makes a huge flavor contribution, why pH plays such a huge role, water chemistry plays such a huge role when you're trying to really nitpick certain little flavors on stuff. Um, and, you know, we're all sitting there at the end. He's like, yeah, pretty much at the end of all this, you know, you're going to have a test. It's going to be 10 questions. They're all going to be, you know, it's not multiple choice. It's an essay paragraph that you're going to have because there's 10, 10 questions or so inside of each question. And if you pass, you pass. If you fail, you fail. And everyone's sitting there like, what are these questions? Oh, my God, what's going on? Because if you don't know how to answer this stuff, you can't be a brewer. Yeah. And we're like, but give us an example on a question. He goes, no, I'm not going to give you an example on a question. If you can't pass it, you can't pass it. And uh, we were all racking our heads around because it's like, you know, you think it's like you study over here. And it's is, like you know all the different things that you're going to be putting onto a test. This, this, you know, you're doing section seven through eight. It's like, okay, that's on X, Y, and Z. So, But this one is over everything. Which is kind of brewing as a, in a whole because you go into it with this, with this yeah. plan of what you're going to do exactly, but it's not static. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You have to be able to adjust and mm -hmm. be able to think on the fly. So it kind of makes sense to do it in that way. Yeah. And, like, one of the questions was, it's like, you know, how – how do you brew a Hefeweizen? What would you do through the process of it, and why would you do it? And you had to write uh, a recipe with all the different grains, why you chose those grains, what mash profile you wanted to do, what yeast style you wanted to do, what, uh, you know, all the different little tiny pieces that you'd go through the process of it, through fermentation and packaging down the road, carbonation and everything, to make this beer. And that was one of the questions that you had to put through, and other ones were more... Uh, you had an issue in the brewing process um, that would cause, you know, what, what flavors could it cause if you didn't do anything about it? And then how would you go through and fix it and try to bring it back onto track to everything? So you had to go through it all and try to, you know, fix the problem through the beer with everything that you knew. And troubleshooting's a big part of brewing, too, because you want to keep consistency on all your product. And if something goes wrong for some reason, glycol goes down. Uh, you didn't get the right grain in. Uh, your mash temperature is high because one of your thermometers is off or something like that. How can you fix that down the road to keep the same taste of your beer now with that in mind let's fast forward back mm -hmm. to when you're opening the brewery with all that in mind are, are you looking at like are you looking at you looked at a couple different places until mm -hmm. you settled here in Hackettstown were you looking at like uh, you know water tables things like that or were you just kind of from the get you're going to do kind of water conditioning stuff like that you, you, coming in here when you look at your board you're looking at you're not looking at 19 IPAs mm -hmm. uh, pastry style and whatnot you're looking yeah. at Kolsch's you're looking at Pilsner's you're looking at stuff like that so you're look obviously have that in mind that you want to make those kind of styles mm -hmm. of beers that are really super affected by kind of minute changes and everything how do you go into planning a brewery with that kind of in mind in a specific area like here so one of the things that i uh found it was really helpful is right down the road from here is humber university and they have a pilot system on the back so pretty soon after coming uh you know deciding that i wanted to open up the brewery i knew that i had to you know wanted to get certain recipes out so i was pilot batching on the side while putting the finishing the rest of the the plan talking with banks talking with architects stuff like that and kind of building the place out and I'd get all my grain from him and stuff and he's like oh well if you want to you know you know because I mentioned that you know Hackettstown is kind of on my radar for to open up a brewery um he's like you could brew back over here you're using Hackettstown water you're using the typically the grains you're going to be getting in and all that sort of stuff so he let me come into the back brew on his system with all this different stuff and I brewed all the year rounds that uh I wanted to make um just to kind of see off just base water what Pro flavor profiles would come out through there and see if this water would really work for a wide range of the beers that I wanted to make. And it seemed like all the way from the Kolsch, all the way to Stouts and in between, um, everything seemed to work quite well on this water. There are some beers that we do change the water a little bit on, but for the most part, it's always base Hackettstown water, and then I'll add something to it as opposed to stripping everything from the water through an and RO system there, yeah. and build from there. So I'm just taking Hackettstown base water for probably 90% of the beers, and the rest of it is a little addition here or there to add a little bit more chlorine uh, or chlorides to the water, add a little more sulfate to the water. Mostly it's for hoppy beers to add a little bit more either hop snap to it or round off the flavors, make it a little uh, yeah, a little more rounded on the back end with the chlorides. And, and, and I mean, going into that course, mm -hmm. 
um, that you did overseas in the kind of beers that you make. It's a lot of, like you said, regionally based terroir or whatever you want to call it, um, kind of influence on their beers. Do you think that's a positive now that you're in Hackettstown and use the water and it kind of brings, you know, because water plays a big part in beer. It and, does, it's yeah. gonna, and it's going to show a certain way in your beer. Do you feel that gives you kind of, I don't want to say an advantage, but it, it kind of adds a little uniqueness to, to where you are? Or do you think your beer is kind of just, uh, I don't want word transcend but mm-hmm. kind of like the water is almost secondary at that point like not to get too i mean i think nerdy. i think when you when you look at it uh from a, a couple of different sides like the water is really important a lot of times mm-hmm. when you hear uh, a lot of breweries talking about it, it's like oh you know the reason we settled over here is because the water is perfect and yeah. a lot of times the reason that a certain style of beer was really popular in that region isn't because they said you know what this is the beer i want to make it's because they made five or six different styles of beer but those other ones that they made the water profile didn't really work for them Mm -hmm. and this is the one that stood out and that became the beer of that region um what you know i was kind of hoping with a a a lot of or wanted to see if it would happen is uh you know of the different styles of beer that we make was there going to be one that the hackettstown water profile stood out a little bit more and would you know become the beer of Hackettstown the yeah. beer that this area is known for and it just seems like because uh, in addition to all that I, you know, I want to make a beer for everybody I want to have all these different styles as you can see what's on the board and how many others that we've made throughout uh, the year and a half that we've been open um, but it you know it doesn't seem like one specifically has stood out yet and although the water is important I almost feel like Hackettstown water is so well rounded also with all the different styles of beer that we're trying to make it, it kind of makes, makes sense yeah. Um, so you come into it, you, you, you're going to open a brewery, you find a space, which is honestly one of the best spaces I've been in, not just in Jersey, but around it's, you know, it's nice. It's open. What was this building beforehand actually? Uh, so it was, it was originally built to be a garage, um, back in, I think it was 1914, 1917, something like that. I've got a picture somewhere in the back that we want to blow up, uh, to put up on the wall. And I want to take a picture currently from that exact same like angle so you can see what it was then, what it was now. Uh, but it was a garage, uh, auto repair garage back in the day originally. And then I think it moved forward and kind of stayed that way. Ford, uh, eventually took it over down the road and, um, it was their full building offices and everything. And then they just, they bought the building next door, um, to be their offices and uh, showroom. And this was just their maintenance bay. And then when they left, it was a auto detail place, uh, kind of renting month to month. And then we came through, saw it. Uh, much different than what it was kind of today. Um, kind of looked through all the uncleanness of what it was <laughs> and said, okay, yeah, I could see, you know, this over here, that over there, and, and decided to move on the building and cleaned it up and made it into kind of what it is today. So you, um, so you find a building, you open it up, um, you know, you have the beers in mind that you want to make, but then you know the core of business is the people that work there yes. you know what i mean and like mm-hmm. I, just from like uh, emailing you about doing this you're like okay let me get uh, other parts of our staff on board which we've uh, awesomely ignored the whole time in this <laughs> podcast so far but then i come in this morning your, your mom's <laughs> tooling around your dad's tooling around mm-hmm. everybody's involved speak about that how that it, that's quite a bit different you, yep. i mean you don't see that a lot in breweries how does your your family and the people that you have kind of functioning in here kind of all work together so well in starting the business, if, you know, my parents weren't as on board as they were, I don't know if I'd be able to get this started up to where it, you know, anywhere is right now. Uh, I'd probably be more down the road, you know, 40, 45 years, when, 45 years old when, yeah, uh, when I got to you, open this. You wouldn't be. No, I definitely wouldn't. Um, I'd still be in a lab somewhere. Or if I decided to go into brewing just as a, a head brewer or something over at another person's uh, facility for a while. Um, but, you know, the support that they showed and everything, getting this place up and running was definitely crucial. And then... I knew from the beginning that there are areas that I don't know that mm-hmm. I need to bring other people in uh, if I want to make this brewery as big as I want it to be. Um, and I know brewing, and I can generally build stuff and put it together to make a make an area look nice. But when it comes to actually uh, prettying the place up, getting the you know. Uh, kind of the, the overall feel of a place and keeping it there through the change of the season, change of all the events that we needed to do, the social media side of it, actually getting out there and selling the beer, that's stuff that I have no, like, I have no experience in. Uh, I would not be able to do it anywhere near as good as the people that I pulled in for it. And uh, definitely the, the reason that the brewery, I feel, is as good as it is today is because of the people that we have on, on board with uh, right now. Uh, definitely 
departmentalizing different things, allowing other people to deal with certain pieces so I can concentrate on the beer and moving the business forward has been really important to getting us to where we are today. Well, let's speak to that. We have, a, like I said, we have a Kirsten. You do the uh, jack of all trades, uh, social media that doesn't want to talk on a microphone like kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry. Like, how did you get involved? Like, where where did you come from? Like, how did you, did, did you just apply to an ad or were you in here? Did you know? It's actually a friend of a friend. So Matt was in... Um, a homebrew club, NJ Hops, and mm-hmm. my friend Dave was in it as well, and I was job job hum, hopping, I guess. Hop job hopping. And Hop jobbing. There yes, you go. Yes, there we go. That <laughs> is, there, works. is that a new beer coming down the chute? Hop, Hop jobbing. jobbing. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing, and I was trying all different things. So. I uh, happened to mention it to Dave. He's like, oh, my buddy's opening up a brewery. You like beer. You should talk to him. And that's pretty much how I ended up here. I came in and saw as they were working on the space and was just blown away. And when Okay, I so sat you were down, here from the get then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I sat down with, with uh, Matt and Frank, and Frank whipped out, like, the five- to ten-year plan, the whole building, how it would evolve from year to year really and I, was like, this plan. Is I thought breweries are just magic you just open them a lot and make a ton of money there's business involved really it um, was weird i was blown you'd be away. surprised <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really was impressive and i realized these guys are serious so i want in and just sort of stuck around and kind of carved my own spot here as as it played you, out you so you said you were in, you were in the beer before you got the mm-hmm. job how were how deep how, like deeper not, not i'm realizing now not. not i thought yeah. oh my god yeah. this is great yeah. and now i'm like no i knew what did you drink before you started working here be honest oh no i i lagunitas was probably my go-to well, at that time yeah fantastic there's nothing Absolutely. wrong with that yeah that was my yeah. go-to okay yeah everyone's got their little gateways but um yeah, you work in a brewery sometimes you know the the the, the hot thoughts and the, and the haze bros will be like oh, lagunitas whatever you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't own that shit oh, you no. know what i mean the, like it's it delicious. yeah I'll still go to it if I need to. <laughs> so, as uh, I mean, I honestly would be think the social media aspect has probably got to be one of the most intense and, and, and infuriating portions of the show when it comes to running a brewery. I mean, mm-hmm. I can understand yeah. why Matt would absolutely unload that <laughs> burden because he doesn't want to look at it because, you know yeah. what I mean, one star, I hate sours and this is not a sour, or I love sours and this isn't a sour kind of shit you have to deal with on a daily basis where people like yeah. say the most inane horrible craptastic stuff that you most times don't have any control over and there's nothing wrong with the situation mm-hmm. how do you not like get fired it took <laughs> from just from just wanting to stab people in their part. eyeballs you know uh kind of at first it's like you kind of get really affected by Take it, it and then, yeah. yeah and then it kind of uh gets to the point of realizing a lot of people just are not as educated in the whole brewery aspect and just everything that goes into it and you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt and make sure that matt doesn't lose his mind and that's basically (laughs) it is like all right how can we how can we make sure matt's all right and so mark helps out with that too because he's got a way with words which is very (laughs) nice Um, i've been in the i've been in the restaurant industry too so this whole you know dealing with shit posting isn't anything new to me yeah Uh, you know the whole yelp thing is just has been horrible. As in, you, yeah. you've been on both sides of it? Oh, um, no, no. I, I, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I've been, yeah, I've, I've been abused by uh, all of these social media uh, scams. Yeah. There you go. For years now. So. And, yeah. and you do the sales sales yeah. end of things. Um, and that's the one thing. You do a lot of distribution here uh, yeah. uh, at Zigmeister. And, like, what's your daily kind of routine when it comes to the sales portion of the job? Because is it self-distribution in Jersey and you're yeah. just kind of trucking everything to mm-hmm. each location? So, yeah, I mean, we distribute all the way down to, I mean, Atlantic County pretty much. Yeah. On, and, I mean, on both sides of the state. The only place that we don't really cover is Cape May County. Um, it's pretty much, I think, the only county that we don't go to. Um, it started off really local, um, stuff like that. And then, you know, as we started to expand, I just kind of wanted to cover as much territory as possible. Um, kegs so and cans, or are you just kind of hyper local with off, kegs? And started then off just kegs. Started off just kegs for the first year. Um, and then mm-hmm. I think uh, it was April of this year as we started doing cans. Yeah. And uh, that opened up the whole world of, you know, possibilities with liquor stores, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were very, you know, kind of receptive to it. They'd already seen the product around. We go to a lot of beer fests, stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it's a good product. People love it, so it kind of makes it easy to sell. Uh, and then how'd you end up here? 
Uh, so I have been working in the beer industry for a little while. I was a craft beer manager at a local shop right in Byram there for a while. Did all their craft ordering, designed their whole, you know, did all their stuff for a long, for about five years. Um, then I moved across the street to a place called Salt, um, a little restaurant there. I was their bar manager for a couple of years. While I was there, um, my, my uh, sales rep from high grade, who actually is now the Northeast uh, Firestone Walker, this guy named Jason, um, was just like, oh, you know, we we're talking about New Jersey breweries popping up and stuff like that. And we're like, oh, there's all these crazy breweries popping up. And uh, he told me, he's like, oh, man, there's this is one popping up. Like, really soon you got to, you know, this is like, you know, probably, I think, four or five months before I had even come down here or heard anything going on. Because I live right outside of town in Green. And he was like, oh, it's an ex-head brewer from Kane. He's starting a brewery in Hackettstown, you know, keep an eye on this one. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's really cool. And I was looking to get out of the bar thing because it just really wasn't, I was, I was done with it. You know, it's just, yeah. it's, it's it's grueling hours. My parents owned a bar for several years. It's I fun. I love, you know, you love the people you work with and that's yeah. what becomes the, like, you know, for your family. But the hours are, are tough and it's just, you know, dealing with uh, certain pushbacks and limitations that we had at the bar that I was at was kind of frustrating to me. Um but uh, so yeah, I uh, I think I can't remember. I think I had saw saw the the ad pop up somewhere for you know mm -hmm. they were looking for you know salesmen. I'm like you know what like I've, I don't have any experience in sales, but I've been dealing with salesmen for such a long time that I know what makes a, a good one, what makes a, a shitty guy that you don't want to talk to that you hide mm -hmm. in the office from. Um, plus, I knew a lot of local bar owners and, and retail guys, so I was like you know what, let me just go down there and apply. Uh, so I came down here, the same thing. The guys were. That's great, because I think the day I came in, the radio was, like, blasting 80s rap, and I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I think from that second forward, I was like, I got to get a job here. Like, And, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, it was, it was just so weird, because I was just like, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know who was, like, a contractor or who actually worked here, because there's people all over the place. And I'm like, uh, okay, where do I go? And I went back and talked to, uh, talked to Frank and Matt for a bit, and I think that was the day you guys were putting the, the – the uh, mill in yeah and these guys are like struggling and like, <laughs> it was a horrible day yeah it's like and like i'm so, like i and that's the thing too is i came down and i'm like wearing like a button-down shirt and i'm like i don't know what the hell to wear for a brewery like, this, is, <laughs> this is kind of new territory i've never seen and it was a like yeah no <laughs> since that day i was like no well is it the thing i was like i was like oh can i help you guys with this mill and i'm like button down comes off i'm like yeah like i this is me like i can let me get rid of this uh fake uh you know, dressed up persona. <laughs> shirt uh, I borrowed. Yeah, the shirt that I found in the back of my drawer. Uh, so then, was that how were you guys open for a decent amount at that point, or was that from the beginning? They were still open. they no, weren't open still yet. In and actually, I was I didn't hear from them for like three or four months, and yeah, I was really about worried that. about it. I was, <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, I was like, I was like, damn it! I was like, you know, and I'm like, I'm back to work. And I had told everybody that I was like, oh man, I interviewed and I thought it went really well. And like, cause I sat and talked to Frank for a long time and uh, Frank's an awesome dude. And, and you know, he's like, we we're just talking the same thing, rolled out the business plan, talking about all kinds of different things. I'm getting like really hyped and you know, stoked about it. And then, uh, yeah, nothing, not, not nothing. no communication for like, yeah, I, it was like really two or three months. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I was like super bummed about it. I would like drive through town and I'd be like, like look at the brewery, like getting more work done to it. I'm like, oh, it looks like they're about ready to open. They should probably be selling beer by now. They don't need That's me. the G-rated version. He's like, screw those guys for not calling me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm never going in yeah. there. I was over at Manscaped being like, yeah, you know what? Screw those guys. I'm not drinking any of this crap that they're making. So, uh, so both of you guys are here from Open. And, you know, it's kind of a testament to what you guys are doing here, I guess. You know what I mean? People don't want to leave. Um, and, and We can't. We're not allowed to. Well, yeah, well you know, it it's is Jersey. Slavery. <laughs> <laughs> they allow that in Jersey. Uh uh, speak to that as as far as because you do the the whole like uh, Allagash thing where you like if anybody wants to brew if anybody wants to do any of that kind of stuff mm -hmm. they can. Is that always been like number one? Like everybody ha understand what's go goes on in the brewery from top to bottom and be able to speak on it. That way you can kind of deal with your yeah. customers or deal with anybody. Yeah, I want it so that you know if, if someone comes over and they know that you work at the brewery, you can ask them any question about the brewery, and for the most part, at the very least, they can give you a baseline information that they're looking for. Maybe not the most in-depth detail on stuff, but I want everyone to be able to know the brewing process at least in and out. Um, whether it's, I mean. Maybe not enough to brew on the big system, but at least enough to throw a pilot batch in the back. Uh, a little bit of recipe formulation whenever, you know, they come over. Uh, they always got these crazy ideas in their head, and it's like, okay, well, if you can't, if you want to put a recipe together yourself, and then we'll talk about it, you know, go ahead, take a week, put a recipe together, and then we'll we'll see what works with that. Or we could sit in the back, you say, you know, to me, let's put something together, and then I'll break down all the pieces. It's like, do you want more 
uh, you know, chocolate notes to this or roasted notes. What what way do you want mm-hmm. that to go? You want toffee or you know, dark fruit caramel flavors? Uh, and then I'll explain why I'm putting a certain grain into it and at the time that I'm doing it, so that way they can at least see the breakdown of why certain flavor or what flavors come through with different pieces of grain so that when they're on their third or fourth beer putting it together they can be like you know what now i think i can i'm going to go forward and put my own recipe and then they see that up on the board over there and they're like yeah you know i I put that together that's my thing and you see people drinking it and whatnot and they get the i don't know that that great feeling of seeing other people enjoy you know their beer now and uh i don't know it's it's I guess part of you know the culture that I'm trying to put forward over here is you know anybody that can come through over here they can sit they can relax and they know that there's going to be a beer on tap that they're, that somebody that they're going to like at least with we were thinking originally it was going to be 16 beers now we got 24 <laughs> beers on tap um, and uh, you know for to for, for there to be you know at least usually once a week it's at least one person in the brewery has their beer on tap so that person could be over here seeing a who you know who cares about you know that is that flavor something that we can do in the future or whatever. so you have to have even tempered people behind a bar then because you can't be like oh how'd you like that beer when they drank their beer and it was like worst beer i ever had and you're just like behind her yeah. staring that person i mean you there have are no to knives be- behind the bar yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. mm. um, not anymore not since the incident since that one time we don't speak about that there's a non-disclosure agreement um so speak to the amount of beers you have there. I mean, we talked about that before I actually started hitting the record button. Um, you guys have, like, a crazy amount of beer for a brewery that's, you know, what are you, just under two years old now a at this point? A yeah. yeah, so, I mean, usually anywhere between 10 and 20 beers, if not more, mm-hmm. uh, at one time. Like, is that just a matter of you just kicking that pilot system in the ass constantly, or is it... I think early on when we had a lot of beers on, it was mainly the pilot system. Now it's it's just, you know, how many different seasonals we want to put on. Now that the, the barrel-aged program is really kind of... We're a year in on the barrel-aged program, and that, you know, at least just about almost one of each of the beers on the barrel-aged program has come through, and we're putting out the base beer for that and the barrel-aged beer. So I think five or six beers on tap right now are just from the barrel system. We've got seasonals going through, so we have, like, two or three for... Uh, the winter season on right now, and then we have, you know, one or two from fall uh, that are finishing up, just about done. Um, and then you have the year rounds, and then a couple, you know, forge batches, and then in addition to that, then you have the the IPA series stuff that we've been trying to push through. So it just seems like, you know, they're, when we're looking at, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, we have to get this new beer out. We can pull, you know, one, of the, one or two of the forge batches off to make room for a new season while that's coming on. It's almost impossible to do that now because maybe we might only have two forge batches on and we got to put three new beers up. Um, we were talking originally, it's like, oh, maybe during the year we'd have a nitro line on for one of the seasons. And now we have two nitro lines on regularly uh, because it seems like each season we have a nitro beer going through. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's all these, we, we just want to make sure that it's you look up to the board it's not just ipas it's not just stouts it's not just light beers it's it's a mix of everything if you come in you want a lager there's going to be a lager on tap if you want a stout there's going to be some sort of stout or dark beer on tap if you want an ipa there's a couple different ipas you can have session new england uh imperial ipa regular west coast style you know something like that but if you come in and you have no idea what you want we'll find something yeah like there's a beer for everybody if you don't like beer i'll find a beer (laughs) there's a fine line there's a fine line between like like you know what i mean Uh, being popular staying open being on the pulse of whatever is popular Mm -hmm. you know what i mean obviously you know with the deep sea series which is kind of like you're just kind of hop forward and hazy unfiltered Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it hop that haze bro stuff um, that's a small portion of typically what you have yeah. either in cans or on draft. You know, where where do you think you fit in the conversation when everybody's clamoring for those kind of beers? Like, it, how do you see it from a brewer when you're like, that stuff sells great, but you're still kind of like you understand that there's so much more to offer. Like, mm-hmm. ha- without you know what I mean, getting too angry or just getting pissed off. Like, where does that put you mentally as far as a brewer? So. You know, obviously, we want to stay with making all the beers out there that people can try. They can try new things. They can expand their beer horizons and whatnot and understand what the beer industry has to offer. But at the same time, we want to be putting out stuff that's more, you know, hyped right now. Other, you know, things like that, that people are going to know if, oh, I, I heard about that style of beer. Do you make that? Or they can come in and they can at least try that and then try something else in addition to it. Um, 
it it annoys me a little bit when people come over here and, and you know it, it's it's kind of a, a a mix almost on it when someone will come in and be like oh uh, you know Trillium is better or something like that it's like of course Trillium is better I mean that's all I, this is pretty much all they make when it comes to New England style yeah. IPAs it's like and I'm not trying to compare myself to that I'm just trying to make a good New England style IPA that people over in this area don't have to drive up to Massachusetts or up to Vermont to to buy a New England style IPA um, they can come right over here and they can pick something up uh, that's going to be good and. Um, down the road, I'd love to make, you know, a great New England-style IPA. But, again, I think we've done three, four recipes of it, you know, and we, you know, it's difficult to compare, especially that style of beer on our pilot system compared to the large system, so I couldn't really do too many test batches of it. So when we're playing around with these hop styles, it's typically the first time that we're meshing these together in our New England style uh, for the brewery. And I have a feeling that, you know, uh, we'll be making a good New England-style IPA every time it comes out, but in terms of making, you know, really top-notch world-class style that you know trillium's putting out that you got from uh treehouse stuff like that uh, uh bissell brothers it, it's going to be a year down the road maybe a little bit longer until you finally see that we've you know perfected a recipe on something like that you know with the amber ale um that's something that i could scale up from my pilot batch to the to the main system and that's one of the beers that i that was the first pilot batch that i or the first homebrew batch that I had ever made homebrewing and I just kept going with that recipe all through homebrewing all through when I was in the beer industry you know back still homebrewing and then on the pilot system first when I had that put through to put onto the main system so that's like you know five years in on playing around with that recipe uh whereas a lot of these other recipes you know they might be within their first six months of iteration on something new because it goes right onto the big system and um I'm just I'm very happy that after I put this recipe together that, you know, it comes out as a good beer, you know, mm -hmm. it's and not, and I'm like, I'm like, Oh, thank God it's good. But, uh, <laughs> but like, it's, it's, you know, a beer that people are going to come really over to and that. remember <laughs> that, you know, Oh, last year, I remember you put that seasonal on, are you going to be bringing it back again? You know, it's really nice to hear that people are remembering this, you know, one recipe that it's like, okay, I need three recipes for this, for this season. I want three seasonals to come through. And we definitely know we have our, like for fall, we have our Oktoberfest and I wanted to do uh, Dunkelweissen. And now we have also our coffee brown ale as kind of our third for the season. And the coffee brown ale was kind of something that it's like, okay, you know, I want something else that's going to fit in there uh, for that season. We kind of put that recipe together. We kind of sat down, put it together, and like, what else can we put in there? I don't want it to just be like a base brown ale that'll sit there for a little bit of a while, but add a little bit of something else. And we put the, the coffee uh, in there from the local coffee roasters and stuff to throw it through. And, you know, people keep coming in and talking about that one. And I can imagine that when that's gone, by the time next year comes around, people will be talking about <laughs> when that's going to come out. I was really surprised when we did the black lager last year. Um, but I had people at the end of summer being like, oh, I can't wait till the winter when you have your black lager back out again. I thought, you know, it was one of the little bit of slower sellers, but people were like, no, I can't wait till the black lager's back on again. And now that it is, it's selling pretty well and, and, and growlers going out and people coming over here, throwing it on a flight and stuff like that. So it's, it's nice to see that, you know, some of these recipes that I might've thought that it's like, okay, this is just one that I'm going to keep for variety on as a seasonal. And maybe next year I'll put a different beer on as a different variety for that seasonal. Now I got to, not that I have to, but it's like, I can put that back on again because people are looking for it. Uh, and, 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 and is it just a matter of popularity where you choose what, what comes from rotational to uh, rota seasonal to rotational to a kind of staple? Or is it just it sells that much, you got to just make more of it? Is it that simple? Uh, I mean, at its base, it kind of is. Um, when we made you know our, our forge batches on the side for our last anniversary, one of the big things we wanted to do was pull back forge batches that uh, were the top popular forge batches and it turns out that i think two or three of those that were the top forge batches uh that we made for that previous year ended up becoming seasonal beers because people were demanding them so much and i didn't want to keep brewing it on the pilot system every you know two months or something like that to throw that back out and uh two of them ended up being beers that we did for a tap takeover at midland brew house mm. um mm. the uh tiramisu milk porter and the maple bacon caramel smoked lager oh. Um, Love that beer. Yeah, they're, they're both very good. And the uh, the tiramisu is on tap again. Uh, and then we just brewed the uh, the Rauk beer, the smoked lager. Uh, it's in the tank right now. Um, but it's you know it, it. They're beers that I originally thought would just be a one off at a place to complement a certain food that they were interested in putting together. And then it turns out that okay, people really like this and they want it to be a seasonal. So I thought okay, maybe I'll put it off as a one off batch that'll happen in that season. And then it went really well as a seasonal, so I said, okay, let's keep it on as a seasonal, and now it's going to be a rotating thing through the season. And there are times, like, when I'll talk with my dad about, you know, different styles of beer that we want to keep on or, you know, 
just keep as a seasonal or as a one-off. He's like, oh, man, it sold really well. Let's let's put it into cans and make it year-round. It's like, eh, no. <laughs> Hold your horses. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, let's throw this on for the season so that people, you know, they like it, and then we move on to the next thing because it might not go too well in the summer or yeah. something like yeah, that, and then make people want it by the time it comes back next Well, that's season. the thing. You always want to leave people yeah. wanting a little bit more. Exactly. You don't want to yeah. go over top. Yeah. Um, break down your actual, like, how you do it. Your, your deep-sea series, your forge, but your forge batches, your pilot batches, mm-hmm. I assume. Yeah. Your deep-sea series, is that just your hop? You're going to trend to, that's your moniker for your hop? series so it was going to be just generally any ipa that we wanted to make was going to go under deep sea and then it turned out that uh, it was kind of the new england style and single hop varieties yeah so uh we did in the beginning the two batches of new england and then we thought okay maybe we'll switch this over to just the regular single hop ipa series or single hop ipa for the next one and then it just kind of after sitting down for like a week or so and putting the recipe together we realized you know what the new england style sells really well um, through the Deep Sea series, so let's just keep Deep Sea now is just our rotating New England series. So mm-hmm. every month we're going to put in a new uh, hop bill for a New England style IPA, and there might be four or five after we finally get our twelve that we'll keep in that series every year, and then the other rest of them may be something completely new. So you know that next year, um, at some point again, you might see Mosaic Galaxy or Citra uh, Citra Mosaic, but uh, some of the other ones might just be new up off the top, uh, something different with new hops that are coming out or new combinations is something that we're trying to throw together. Um, but it's always going to be kind of a rotating series. You're never going to see the same one month to month to month um, because we like the idea that, you know, there's so many different hops out there. I kind of look at the amount of grain that you have to be able to put into a beer similar to the amount of hops you have out over there. And I think that the... Uh, the way that we break down the different styles of beer right now, and it's like, okay, you've got a brown ale, you've got a stout, you've got a amber ale, you've got a barley wine and stuff like that. That's all just based off of the different grains you're putting in. But everything else is kind of lumped under the category. When you do different hops, it's all lumped under the category of IPA. Yeah. So when you think about it, it's like, okay, now our IP, our New England-style IPA series, although it's like, oh, you're just, it's just a rotating New England-style series, but really it's... It's a lot more than that. It, it's you know, it's, it's all these showcase. It's all these oh, different yes. style of hops that you're yeah. rotating through. So it's almost like me calling a series like the Malty series or something like yeah, that. It's yeah, like, yeah. well, why are you rotating all these different styles? It's like, no, it's the same thing that New England is. It's just it's got that same similar grain bill. We we rotate that through each time also, but it, it gives you that you know that oatiness, the the bit more body, the haze that comes through from all the oats, uh, and. Um, a little bit higher, maybe malt flavor in the back with the uh, Golden Promise or Marisad or whatever we're using that that turnaround, and then it's just late hop additions of whatever we're trying to push. So if it's going to be citrusy, uh, you know, orange, uh, citrusy orange, we're going to have certain hops in there if we're trying to get that grapefruit flavor. We're trying to get more of that uh, resiny something else to play around with some pine flavor. You know, it's, it's going to be constantly rotating through to get that juiciness in there with the other little back notes of something else. Well, when we name it, too, with, like, the actual hop saying Citra and Amarillo, it's kind of like a way of learning more about those two hops specifically. And that was a And goal. branding, too, because, branding, the, you, know, ho- yeah. you know, hops are kind of like, you know, a marketing tool mm-hmm. themselves. It now. is, yeah. I mean, I get a little frustrated when I go somewhere and I try a new IPA, and I want to know what hops are in it because I want to know what I'm tasting that I like or don't like. And it's a way of educating people on maybe they didn't realize it, they like Pacifica hops. They they only knew Citra and Mosaic and Galaxy and like nothing else exists. It was a goal with um, we do Hop Fest every August and we put on can I just say a shit ton of hop yeah. beers because there's no other real life. You say well, fuck I mean, ton I'm gonna say want. that. I'm just gonna leave it at shit ton because Stout Fest is a fuck ton. Cursing down. They, no. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, they've never heard They've, gotten used, they've yeah. gotten used to it. They've gotten used to it. So, uh, <laughs> but the, the goal with Hop Fest was so that people could try beers side by side. Maybe it has the same grain bill, but we dry hopped it with a different hop, and you're able to actually learn something. Now, now, uh, but deep sea, mm-hmm. um, uh, the shipwreck porter. Or shipwreck uh, IPA. Shipwright. Uh, uh, shipwright. Sorry. Yes. Um, build ships. And, and then you have uh, your your bottle series. Everything has this kind of like either nautical or kind of like Norse kind of so the thronesy thing going on. Where does that come from? A nautical theme. The IPAs had the nautical because we started with the yeah. shipwright and just sort of went off on. Went that. off on that. Yeah. Okay. So the overall each each one of the beers has or each style definitely or has a kind of. Old world crafter trade associated with it. Okay. Um, and then depending on what beers branch off of those, they kind of stick to that sort of theme. So, 
Um, the IPAs are the ones that we've been able to branch off the most, kind of like what I was talking about before, you know, so many different hops and whatnot. So that one kind of seemed to grow the most with that naming style. So we have Shipwright uh, for the base IPA. We've got uh, the Imperial IPAs are all based off of... Uh, uh, or it's the Admiral's flagship, so it's the next level up of ship. It's the one ship that the Admiral, whenever he goes on to, that's you know, his flagship for the thing, and then we name it based off of the hop that we put in, or the most prominent hop that goes in there. So we have the USS Citro, we got the USS uh, Mosaic, and so on. And then we just did the Triple IPA, which is Master of the Seas. Um, the That just sounds badass. There's no way to it. <laughs> And then, it's got uh, master in it. Yeah, which yeah. is master, master Your Craft is our kind of slogan and stuff like that. So um, with Deep Sea Series, uh, and then we have uh, also the black IPAs are based off of submarines, so that you have crush mm. depth, and then eventually when we have our regular black IPA that'll go on, that's going to be test depth. Um, that was kind of al- also off of um, uh, friend family investors that kind of put uh, hel- helped me push the business forward when we were starting it off. Um, Two of our two of our top investors are were in the Navy, uh, and one of their uh, one of the investor's sons, who's also an investor, was also in the Navy. And we wanted to, and they were all the ones pushing me, like you have to make an IPA, you have to make an IPA, you have to make an IPA. So I did that one as Shipwright to start off with, and then kind of moved that one through. Well, plus, I think it's isn't it New Jersey law you have to name a beer after a boat? Isn't that kind of a thing? I like it it's, is. I think it's yeah. written. It's kind of like if in, not, it yeah. will be written very yeah. soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it's every <laughs> single brewery in Jersey has yeah. some kind of boat beer. Yes. Um, There's but, a man with a knife that travels to breweries <laughs> when they open. Um, but very persuasive. going even further mm-hmm. with like a lot of like it's like almost like a mythology themed kind of stuff going on. Like mm-hmm. where the root of all that from? Like is it a, is it a family thing? Is it a, you're just an old no, school gamer? Like what's going? Like I definitely I, I would consider myself an old school gamer. I love okay. that that sort of the feel to it, and then and then the idea of like an imperial beer and stuff like that. That's where we bring these sort of mythical names onto it. Okay. Um, so whenever we do a like a big imperial barrel-aged beer is usually based off of a god, goddess, or some sort of mythical person. And then the just base imperial version of that that would have gone into the barrel is based off of some sort of action or uh, something around that person. So, for example, uh, when we're doing uh, when we're going to be doing an imperial fest next weekend, we have uh, already we've already released our barley wine habond. Um, and the base version of that's going to be coming out uh, on that day, and it's going to be a 500 mil bottle, and it's called um, Sacrifice for Abundance. And because Habond, the uh, Celtic goddess of abundance, uh, you were supposed to be sacrificing, I think it was grain, to her for your fields and whatnot to be plentiful for the next year. Just off the top of my head, I'm thinking that's what it is. Close enough. Uh, yeah, close yeah. enough. And uh, so that, so the base version of that Sacrifice for Abundance, and it's going to have something to do with the people sacrificing grain for her, and then you have the barrel-aged version as being, you know, the mythical person itself. We have kind of the same thing for our Imperial Stouts, which are going to be coming out in February. Um the base version of that is called uh, a bond of flesh and iron, and it kind of goes with that black blacksmithing theme that we've gone through with all of our stouts. And then the imperial stouts that have been in barrels are based off the three mythical cyclops that made Zeus's lightning. Um, they were blacksmiths and whatnot. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we get to read more about them. Yeah, we've got a whole little thing on the bottles on the side and whatnot. Releasing but, uh, February third. Mm-hmm. Yes. Seven <laughs> bottles. Uh, but uh, you know they all kind of have a little theme to the back of it, and a little story that goes on on with all that too. So. Um, well, let's go there. You're talking about the the, the barrel program. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you balance? Because I mean, you know, a lot of people out there know about your work at, at, at Kane doing a couple different bur- uh, barrel aged beers. Mm-hmm. So you obviously have experience doing that kind of stuff. And then being a young brewery and releasing barrel aged stuff, how like how hard is it kind of getting a barrel aged program up from pretty much the get go? Because you're releasing stuff mm-hmm. now, you're talking about months, if not a year, in a barrel. Like being a new brewery, how do you balance that? How do you pump the brakes? How do you how do you wait? And, how do you gauge when a barrel is ready to be done? And then also balance that with having to put beer out. So the biggest the biggest issue is is because you have to taste the barrels every day. We're constantly drunk. Right. No. <laughs> No, but uh, it is difficult because of, like, you know, like you mentioned, we have the year rounds, we got the seasonals, we got the specialties, we got the forge batches, um, all of this stuff going out. And then we have seven beers that we're putting through barrels, plus their base beers, beers we're also releasing. 
Um, you know, we're, we're constantly tasting those. We, ha we have a general plan uh, throughout that I've, for the most part, written down as, okay, this is about how long I'm anticipating it to be aging for. And we're tasting it throughout the process to see when it's perfect and we want to pull it from the barrel. And if it comes out a little bit earlier, we'll throw it in the bottle and then age it on the bottle a little bit longer on the side so we can release it on the day that we're looking for. Uh, the Imperial Stout really, I think, was the only one that um, I didn't have a specific release date for. I just wanted to see when it finally got to the point that it was good to go. And then once I realized, it's like, okay, this is good, I want to start pulling this and getting it over to what we want to, and then we set a release date for it. Uh, and now we have a general idea, okay, this is how long things are going to be, and we can set release dates throughout the year, and we backwards. want to do it. We want to do something basically yeah. every other month is going to be another barrel-aged release. Um, and then piece that in with the base releases too, but it's a lot of Organizing. Scheduling and organizing yeah, is the most difficult part, I would say, yes. because you have constant new seasonals coming out. You've got bottle releases. You've got can releases. You've got events that we're throwing on over here and kind of fitting all those together and finding people who work here with the time to be able to put all this stuff in. Yeah. And then all the forge batches <laughs> that we're doing in the back and everything like that. It's, it, it's definitely schedule heavy <laughs> um, so fitting all that stuff in is is a challenge but it's you know to get great beer out in the end and, and all the stuff that I really want to be putting out I mean I think it's close to 60 beers that we have on regularly throughout the year uh, or, or that we're making regularly in a year I should say for, um, for a year and a half that's pretty much yeah. that's kind of insane so, yeah, in a, in a fun way. I've been told <laughs> many in times. In a frustrating way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I want to scream really loud kind of way every now and then probably. Yeah. But, uh, I've seen it. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> now, uh, to, just to touch on the barrel uh, program again, mm -hmm. like uh, you're designing beers to go into the barrel, or are you doing a base beer that you kind of have a barrel in mind, or are you going barrel first? Like, what do you, do you have I'm more designing a beer that I know is going to go into a barrel, mm -hmm. and then I take the base beer from that. I put about half of it into the barrel, and then the base beer I'll keep on the side so that people can have a bottle of it, and down the road they can also compare that to the, the barrel and mm -hmm. see kind of how these different barrels kind of, how they change the beers over, over time. Uh, one of the biggest things that I think people don't realize is, um, depending on when you're aging the beer in the barrel too, it's going to affect something. So if I put a beer in late summer early fall and i age it through the winter and then release it in spring it's going to taste completely different than if i put it in the end of spring aged it through the summer mm -hmm. and released it late fall because of the difference in temperatures in the brewery how the barrels expand the different ways the flavors go through i mean even just different styles of barrels that you're putting in it's like okay yeah. Yeah, that's a bourbon barrel but like what bourbon is do you it? do blending at all we do some blending here um <laughs> definitely yeah uh, <laughs> i mean just between um you know adding wine and bourbon barrels together or something like that, but also different types of bourbon that we're putting together. Some bourbons will give you more caramel, some will give you more oak. Some will, and uh, by putting those together in certain proportions, will give you different flavors. That you know, if I know the grain is going to be giving a lot of caramel, then I might do you know 25% of a more caramel toffee-forward uh, bourbon and then more of an oaky bourbon on the side, so that way it's not being too sweet and cloying at the end, even being a barrel-aged beer and kind of trying to fit that all together. It's like Dark Sovereign, too, just kind of became that way, and same with uh, Paragon. I mean, Dark Sovereign originally wasn't even going to be with uh, with cherries on no. it. it was, uh, I was just going to do a blend uh, of different uh, of the wine barrel and the bourbon barrel, uh, at originally 50-50, um, and then we kind of sat on the side when we pulled samples of it when I felt that both the barrels were done, and we were blending them in as a 60-40, 75-25, uh, 80-20, and so on. And we sat on that, and then I was like, you know what? Um, so this is kind of the percentage that we're, we're really sitting at. But I, when I do that blend, I'm really pulling out a, a little bit of cherry notes in the back there. So then we sat one of the barrels. I pulled it early, blended, the, uh, blended that together, and sat it on cherries over on the side. And then we tried the blend regular and the blend with cherries together uh, side by side. And everybody, hands down, was like, that yeah. one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's how that, that beer kind of came through. And I think... A couple other beers kind of came that way, too, but it wasn't that, you know, it's just we threw beers into barrels, sat them over on the side, and said, ah, the heck with it, we'll see yeah. what happens in the end. It was more we had an idea that we wanted to go through with it, and then it just happened to adding a little bit more here and there after it finished, putting it onto something else, aging it for a little bit longer, developed it into, you know, a bigger, better thing than we were hoping it would end up being. Let's flip the script. Jersey. Okay. Let's talk about Jersey for a bit. We're in Jersey. Um, Hackettstown, how have mm -hmm. they kind of embraced you, good, bad, or indifferent? So Hackettstown, from the moment that I came over here and said, hey, I'm looking to put a brewery in, has been ecstatic over the top uh, and very helpful. 
Um, Everybody loves us except for this one guy. <laughs> <laughs> Who probably won't listen to this podcast. Yeah, he won't. But he's Is he a beer guy? Street. No, no, he no lives, he's an asshole. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Well, we're in <laughs> Jersey, sucks. so you have to you have to be more specific about uh, that one. Yeah, he's uh, he's just a guy who doesn't appreciate. No, you don't, you don't have, you don't have to name names. I was just joking. Oh, no. I will. I don't care. Is it just a, yes. cur- a curmudgeon who said you're moved on my block? I hate you guys. He, yeah, he was very man. happy when the building was empty. Everybody, yes. everybody, almost every like local, and you guys are super hyper local mm-hmm. downtown kind of brewery. Uh, everybody. I was just talking to a guy from Bethlehem, uh, mm-hmm. bon, Bond Brewing, and he was like, yep. He's like, guy down the street hates us. He's yeah, like, every day, like if someone parks like in, a little oh, bit yeah. off, he'll call oh, the he's police. Had, and he's he has out of people towed. Yeah, yeah, he has yeah. people towed. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> yeah. So besides him, you've been yeah. good. The town's every, been yeah. awesome. No, the, yeah. uh, you know, Hackensen's been trying to make itself for a little bit of a while, like a restaurant destination. We've got mm-hmm. tons of restaurants in town. I think it's like 40-ish different restaurants that are in town. It's crazy to even think of that. Um, but we have the menus over here. People can come through. Uh, bring food in with them and and try to you know order stuff from them. They've been really helpful with uh, you know delivering over here, uh, promoting us the liquor, the other br- uh, locations with liquor licenses, B McNally's, Marley's, uh, Mama's. Uh, they're all you know they were all on tap. tap. House. Yeah, tap, tap house. house. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm thinking specific. Maria thinking Hack- Benita. I was thinking yeah. specifically Hack- <laughs> Hack- Hack- <laughs> Yes, other other local places, Mansfield and Independence, stuff like that. Uh, local local areas have really been embracing, uh, you know, our, our beers on tap, and um, we've done tap takeovers over there. Uh, they keep us on regularly. Uh, we've made, I think, we made a specific beer for uh, B McNally's already mm-hmm. that, that they had on for a season. Um, so we're, we're working with them. They're working with us. You hear all these other places that, are like, you know, the... the and actually, that's where Abacab started at uh, Enzo's. Yeah. And it's what it is now. So. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, a block away you have Manskirts, you have Joe over there. Like, yep. who was first? Were you first or he was he first? In terms of planning, uh, I mean, he probably had the whole thing up in his head because he's uh, more local than I am yeah. uh, for, for a good while in terms of probably going to Hackettstown. But in terms of us, like, kind of looking at buildings and settling in and talking to the town, we were just about the same time. Um but he was able to move forward quicker than I was. He ended up getting the building himself and moving everything through where we currently lease this building from a person. Uh, and we were waiting for him to purchase the building from somebody else, and there was a big delay in that whole process. But that's boring talk. No. <laughs> uh, so, But he, he got in first. He was uh, October of 2015. Um, so he was about half a year before yeah. we got in. And you guys probably play well off each other because oh, yeah. the beers are close but markedly different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He comes from a little bit different kind of brewing background. But um, it, it, Jersey as a whole, like, uh, state-wise, how does that – uh, that's probably more you dealing with sales yeah. and stuff like that. Like, how it, how bad of a headache is it to deal with Jersey as far as, like, just the laws, whether it be the brewery itself and what you can't do or distribution and whatnot? I mean, first of all, we don't pay attention to the laws at all. Um, we, we, <laughs> yes, we definitely pay attention to the laws. We definitely pay attention to the laws. <laughs> yes, oh no, we abide by the book. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's Jersey as a whole. I think it's, you know, when we first started, people had this whole thing like, oh, you know, what's the competition like? Because you've got three, three breweries right in Hackettstown right here. And, you know, it's, I think anyone from the outside looking in thinks that this uh, New Jersey craft beer is like this big competitive market. And everyone's like, you know, against each other and everyone's competition. But, I mean, in reality, we're all, you know, just trying to do the same thing. And there's enough room mm-hmm. for all of us. Um, More than enough room. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at how many breweries we have, per, per, you know, the state, it's, it's rising. But, I mean, compared to some other states, it's not even not even. Yeah. I mean, like, pocket. I'll go to did Joe's place a couple times. And, like, you see some of the comments on, on – uh on Facebook or even on some of the local forums and people are like, no, I love Manskirt more than I love Zygmeister. And then I go over to Joe's place. I'm like, I think we're supposed to fight. Yeah. 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 But that's the thing too. I mean, it's, it's, it's hugely community. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big community. Um, and the other thing, I mean, there is some like, you know, I think our biggest problem in Jersey with beer isn't necessarily us as small breweries. It's definitely the pay-to-play factor that I deal with that frustrates me more than anything is the big distributors uh, paying for taps and stuff like that. And it's it's a huge ordeal. A lot of uh, old-school kind of of, uh, bars are kind of rallying against breweries at this point. Yeah, that whole thing's Mm -hmm. kind of of blown over. There was a whole thing in South Jersey with a couple Mm -hmm. different restaurant groups that were saying that, you know, local tap rooms are taking up their business and stuff like that. Um, But it's, it's just people that... In my opinion, um, being from the industry and stuff like that, it's people that don't know how to adapt to today's demands 
that think that they're going to be able to sell swill and people aren't going to care about mm-hmm. it. You know, uh, there's plenty of people out there that are still fine with going out and drinking a Budweiser, but I would say that the turn is definitely people want local, people want craft, people want something good. You know, if they're going out to, there's, I mean, that's kind of the focus with restaurants in general around here. You know, we've got a lot of like, you know, farm to table, you know, eat local, try to get as much stuff at the farmer's market type of stuff. Um, I think that meshes very well with our product because it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people don't want crap anymore. They're, they're not settling for it. Um, and I think the guys that had the biggest issues are the ones that are still pushing out crap, you know, frozen yeah. crap. And, you know, if, if you don't have, uh, if you don't realize the market trends and kind of shift that way, you're going to die. You know, it's, it's, it's the way of the business. It's kind of how it's always been. You know, if they don't adapt, you know, it's, it's everything. If you don't mm-hmm. adapt, you, you're going to fail. Is there anything that Jersey doesn't let you do that you wish you, you, you want to do? Or is that a whole nother 15 podcast? I think, I think <laughs> automatic it's not weaponry in the brewery is yeah. a big concern of mine. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not as much focus, I think, on like beer that I'm able to produce that the state's not letting me do anything. It's more on how we want to grow the culture of the brewery. We want to add more events. We want to do more things outside the brewery. We want to you know, bring the beer community together. Mm-hmm. And we're getting a lot of pushback on different things, uh, jumping through hoops that we're, again, not allowed to like. We have an outdoor beer area, and we love it, and everyone else around here loves it. They get extra space to be able to sit outside, enjoy the sun, and a pint of beer. Um, we'd love to be able to expand our beer garden a little bit further. Uh, so on summer, we're not as crowded as we are, and we can you know, give some people some more space, allow them to sit down, have a sandwich, learn about the different styles of beer, and enjoy it outside. And we're getting pushback on being able to you know expand that um other Even just th- for like a one-day license like when we have something like may fest and october fest where we have thousands of people coming into the town that would have never been here if yeah. it weren't for the breweries and mm-hmm. the food and we just want one-day permits the we're, trying to, we're trying to be cool don't get in our way the, like this yeah. is a good thing the town yeah. loves it the town's asking us why we can't do it and i said it's just you know, it's the way it is right now. Well, the thing we'll is, like, with, like, the food can. trucks. I mean, I think, I think a lot of the, the laws in Jersey come from a good place. Like, it, you know, they started off as, like, protection of restaurants yeah. and protection mm-hmm. of their bars. But when, and I don't want to say that we don't get cooperation from other restaurants in town, but when they don't want to necessarily come over here and set up a thing because they're just, you know, fine with people walking to their establishment. Yeah. We would love to have, like we talk about all the time, we'd love to have a different food truck out here every yeah. weekend, but the town doesn't let us do it. Yeah. It's statewide, they'd allow it, but this town just says, no, you can't do it. I mean, we have a perfect spot for a food truck to just yeah. park right there, and yeah. it would be awesome. But uh, we always tell that to the local restaurants, you know, if they want to come over here and set up a booth, they're always more than welcome, though. They just can't be, you know, inside of our, our the area. Our, your area. Yeah. 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 So uh, um, let's wrap this up. Uh, just about an hour in, so a little bit more, whatever. Um, <laughs> What's in the future? What do you guys have immediately planned? I know um, we talked briefly off off um, recording about you expansion and stuff like that. Immediately mm-hmm. next year or so, what are you guys looking to do? Is there anything big wise, or is it just making new interesting beers and just kind of expanding that way? Uh, I mean, definitely we want it to be you know uh, organic growth kind of throughout. We don't want to be pushing certain things onto people and just hoping that you know they start taking more of it. Um, but we're Style-wise that we're doing, we're probably going to be keeping generally what we made uh, the previous year, probably adding a a couple more onto it, but really just uh, honing in on the beers that we've made uh, and getting those out uh, to to more places if we can. Um, We have to, you know, we're going to be running into issues over here with uh, storage space. We're going to be looking at other other, uh, locations for additional cold storage, dry storage, and stuff like that to be growing on. I don't want to leave this building. As I mentioned to you, you know, we, we want to, you know, keep this and then add another facility into it that would be more, you know, uh, down the road, be year-rounds and seasonals and stuff like that and grow that as a, a full production facility. But that's still, you know, kind of down the road. But we'll, we'll see how pieces evolve, you know, how I want to piecemeal that all together. Uh, I want to stay within the Hackettstown area with that other facility too, keep everything local so I can move things back and forth easily. Um, a big thing that's going to be for us also is, you know, uh, growing uh the people uh growing the space so that more people can come through and enjoy zigmeister beer um the best i think always the best place that you can get the uh you know the beer is is you know is here and then you can try it for the first time if you want to see the whole place out and then when you're uh you know at home and can't make it all the time over here you pick it up from a liquor store you go out to a restaurant um and uh and, and, and enjoy the beer over there closer to home. But I want, want it for the, the first time for you to be, you know, if you're going to try this, to be able to come over here and, you know, see the beer in its, you know, 
it's placed. I don't know yeah. how to word it. <laughs> but yeah, it, moving forward, like, uh, what do you guys have, like, coming up? You know what I mean? Like, uh, release-wise, like, event-wise, stuff like that. Uh, we definitely, beer-wise, well, hmm. yeah, our actual fests. Big times. Um, yeah. Stout fest specifically. But, uh, I mean, I mean, down... 17th. Yeah, down okay. down the road. Um, I mean, we're like we mentioned, you know, barrel aged releases going through. We're going to be trying to do festivals. We're we're going to keep doing as we did before festivals every month, whether it's a, a large fest like May Fest, uh, uh, October Fest, Scout Fest, Imperial Fest, or if it's going to be more of a day that we're trying to promote, uh, you know, a charitable organization like we do. Um, We've done work with uh, breast cancer and veterans and things the dogs, like that. dogs, man. I love coming oh, here yeah. with my dog, man. Every time I come here and take a picture of my dog, it's like the most popular picture I ever post on right. social media. Uh, <laughs> She's beautiful, too. That goes it helps. Our, uh, <laughs> in, in April, we're doing our, although we might end up having it technically open beforehand, depending on if the weather <laughs> works, our beer garden area, we do like a opening of the beer garden in April uh, for the rest this of the season. This year's 90s theme. Yeah, we're trying to do mm, like a, really? a 90s, Super excited about that. 90s, 90s Earth yeah. Day sort of thing. We might do like a Captain Planet sort of theme with the whole thing whatnot. Oh. We're going to be working, oh we we're gonna like. be working with uh, the Highland Coalition. The 90s and, uh, are the worst Planet, decade actually. ever. It's going to be <laughs> nah, a good time. No, see, you, all see you're all Frank. young people <laughs> that grew up. You're, you know, I'm a little too old for that stuff, but... Um, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So, you know, just going forward, the big thing that people can be looking for is, you know, definitely check us out, all the social media side of stuff. I was going to so say that, see. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Where do we, where so do they you find can, you guys? It's de- social media, website, all, I mean, all that. Uh, you can Instagram, find us on social media. On all the right. social <laughs> media, <laughs> every <laughs> social <laughs> media. Uh, Friendster, <laughs> IRC, MySpace, we need that's everything. That's where Matt is. Sure yeah. I take care of the rest of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's at ZigMySpace. R-I-P-A-I-M. Dead. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. At ZigMeister. Pretty much mm-hmm. on everything on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Meister, why? Were you the Zigmeister growing up? Was that your nickname? Oh, my nickname growing up was always Zig. And when I started brewing, um, having German background and stuff, people were always asking, "What's the Zigmeister got on tap?" Uh, so that kind of okay. fit, uh, <laughs> and was definitely in the running for when we were putting names together and ended up sticking. So, and uh, where are you guys located? What's the actual address here? Because it's right on the main strip there, but it's right. kind of like block it's off. It's tucked right behind a gas station, so. It's some people really struggle to yeah. find us, but we're at 106 Valentine Street, the end of Main Street, or yeah, the end of Pakistan near the railroad tracks. If anybody's really struggling, we're on the to good side us. of the tracks, though. Yeah, good yeah. Side. It's a great side. It's all the good stuff. This is, <laughs> nice, this is nice Jersey up this way. I grew up in Tom's River. Getting down there, it's pretty hmm. filthy yeah. and stuff. Anyway, uh, thanks guys for joining us. Uh, it was a good us, like I'm two people, uh, for a good conversation. I mean, Zickmeister, I, I've enjoyed the brewery quite a bit, so you guys definitely should come check it out. Uh, check it out on social media. Come down, chug some beers. They got to do flights, they do growler fills, um, cans, bottles, cans, bottles, the whole nine. So dog friendly, dog friendly, dog kid friendly, friendly up to a certain period of time. I don't, don't like let them go kids. run around like a little ragamuffin, <laughs> eight little crazy people that throw stuff in random Just don't corners. Don't let me and, hear them. Yeah, and, <laughs> uh, amen. And uh, and yeah, come check it out and uh, drink some good beers and all kinds of that good stuff. So, cheers. Cheers. Man.